Hello and welcome to episode 151 of the Naked Tech Podcast. It's a show that gives you everything you need to know about consumer tech, the internet, and all things Jonas and Martha. I'm your friend Jeff Kim. My name is Calvin Lee and I've got a new widget on my phone. Widget? Oh no, you didn't. Oh no, deal. you didn't. It's a big deal. On uh, your primary phone, Kelvin. On my, on, my, on my daily driver, as the cool kids call it. Wow. I, it, Has it it's a big deal because already? you and I spoke about this when you know they announced that the uh, iOS 14 will allow widgets on your phone. And you start every day and it's got to be useful, it's got to look good, and it's got to work well. Uh, and the last time you asked me what was on what widget was on my homepage, and the only one I had was weather and time. Really, uh, I've got a new one to help sort up my life a little bit. It's called Tick Tick. Um, it's a to-do list for Android. I think Android only. Let me just double check that. Uh, I've basically been looking for a way to sort of manage my life a little bit, but I wanted to be reminded daily of the things I had to do. Um, so it's on iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, and Android as well. Um, and the reason why I picked it was it's got the best widget for Android as far as I can tell. You know, lots mm. of settings, lots of customizations. You know, the tricky thing for me is I wanted it to have uh, opacity settings so I could see the picture of my kids behind the widget. Um, so that was important. Um, so far, I'm loving it. Um, what are you using at the moment to do checklists and to-do lists and whatnot? Anything at all? I or have not your been to uh, the the N one. I'll just oh, <laughs> Notion again. Notion, yes. Oh, that could yes, have gone. I've, I've been using wrong. it so much that I've forgotten. I'll just have the icon on my. Actually, it's on my tray. It's on my primary tray as the Ooh. cat jumps up to the desk. Uh, but I'm that's, not that's using big it at for all. You. <laughs> I'm oh, not using oh, it. Oh wait, something's on your camera. That's hilarious. Um. <laughs> it's a big tail. <laughs> <laughs> And this is why you have to watch our Twitch stream because a tail just went past Jeff's screen and I freaked out. It was just a big black thing. Yeah. Was it a tail? Okay. <laughs> the tail of my cat. All right. She's just lying down. Okay. Hopefully she's not going to disturb the show any further. Um, but yes, uh, I actually thought that you, when you said that, you, you loaded iOS 14 on your oh. iPhone that you might have lying around, but that wasn't the case. I- I think I do have a six or seven lying well, somewhere around. Well, this is what I found out as well. I um, revived my six. I thought it was a success actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went all the way to signing up for the beta. Mm-hmm. I actually downloaded the profile. I was going to talk about it on the show tonight, but I didn't get there. So no widgets for me. Unless I do it on my iPad, I probably won't get the beta. Because yeah, at this stage, I probably won't uh, put it on my primary de- device. Yeah, I've been burnt in the past with macOS Catalina putting on my work computer about a year ago, and I'm never doing that again. Yeah, and as my cat drinks my water, you can't see it, but she's like totally drinking my water now. Um, she's got her own tray of water. Uh, we, we've got a fun show tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to start off easy. You know, We're going to okay. look into a couple of rumors, a couple of Mac things, and then we're going into... The kind of things that you love. And we're going to look into... Dark, perhaps. Ooh. Maybe Might for be. another show. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna, yeah, you're going to have to stay tuned to the show and to find out what we're going to be deep diving into later in the show. All right. What, what do you got? MacBook, MacBook rumors. So, 
uh, everyone's favorite analyst, uh, Ko Chi Minh. Um, we all know that at last month's WWDC, Apple announced that it was going to move from Intel to their own chips. And uh, it looks like we know what we are going to be getting. Uh, we're going to be getting a 13.3 Mac- MacBook Pro, similar to the MacBook Pro now, uh, but it will get the ARM-based chip. This will launch in late 2020 or early 2021. So that's mm-hmm. the first one. I'm quite surprised they're going with the MacBook Pro because will this give Adobe, Microsoft enough time to move their software across? I think it's big because the Pros are for well. They've, they've already got some some things uh, in in some state of release. I think releasable state. Um, so I mean, I'm I'm sure they've been working with them. They've got Microsoft on board. They they demoed Office stuff on it already. Um, not sure if they were quite three six five, but um, they definitely showcase some of the things you could do on Word, as we traditionally used to do on our own devices now on the cloud. So, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the the other side of that is uh, it'll be using Big Sur, which is the new Mac OS eleven officially. And if if these are running AMD, uh, or what they're calling Apple Apple Silicon chips, they will be definitely be eleven. So we said mm-hmm. it last time during the uh, Apple event show that the MacBook Pros and the MacBooks that are going to come out without silicon, they will remain to be Mac OS X. Oh, so the Intel ones will be Mac OS X and the ARM silicon chips are going to be 11. That's right, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. But, yes, but still named Big Sur. So that, that's the weird thing. So there's two versions of Big Sur and, you know, this is kind of expected and this is the way Apple does their thing through their developer programs. And, you know, we've, we talked about that uh, quite a bit last time. Um, so Big Sur, I've, I've been looking into Big Sur and uh, something that I didn't quite talk about um, last time was the designs of mm. Big Sur. So, you know, we've in the early days of the Naked Tech back then called the Lazy Couch, uh, you know, I think we did go through the iOS 7 change. Is that right? Or was that before we started the podcast? No, we definitely so, did go through a whole, uh, the, the design, sort of thinking behind one of the iOSs. Mm. So that, that was pre-iOS 7. Uh, that, and iOS 7 is, is the big sort of change in design when um, Johnny Ives came and did his thing, made everything flat. And if you remember, everything was called, well, there was a term that everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people in the industry use, which is skeuomorphism, mm-hmm. which uh, pretty much is, um, I guess, I'm just going to read out the definition here. Uh, skeuomorphism, uh, it kind of simulated real life textures, you know, like leather and po- the poker table. We saw a lot of that pre-iOS 7. Um, onto digital interfaces. And then, yeah, um, Johnny Ive, came and changed everything, made everything flat, sort of more like a layered flat UI, they called it. And uh, I think uh, people are talking about this new way of uh, Big Sur introducing this new design trend or pattern. Um, it's been talked about in the circles, in the design circles, quite a bit, you know, even even earlier this year as well. And they're calling it neomorphism or neomorphism. Interesting. Yes, and I'm going to play a clip from a YouTube channel I discovered, Computer Clan. And this is, what's his name? Crazy Kev. No, Crazy Ken. <laughs> and some, some, some of his thoughts on that. 
Apple for a long time has had this flatter look, and I think it's fair to say Microsoft pushed that a lot with their Windows style. Everything got really flat. So Apple started doing this flat thing, right? But they used to do this skeuomorphic look, more three-dimensional look, and it looks like they're trying to combine that stuff now, but for some of these graphical elements, they kind of sit in the uncanny valley. There's this awkward spot between skeuomorphic 3D and flat. Right, so... People are also calling this soft UI. So you're going to be hearing this quite a bit, I feel like. Um, I think it'll translate to iOS at some stage as well, probably iOS 15, not, not quite on 14 just yet. Um, and, you know, when Apple starts a trend, everyone follows. So we're going to be seeing these awful drop shadows, which I, I like. I, I, just, I just hate them. Um, and, of course, it's a difficult thing to talk about um, on a po- audio podcast, but if you are tuning into Twitch, Kelvin, I did. Uh, I think there's an article you could link to, um, which shows off some of that um, new amorphism. So think think of it like uh, it's not quite replicating, you know, actual like remote controls, but putting these sort of shadows into the design. You can see it on the screen right there. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I hope they don't overdo this because. Um, it, feels fairly clear that with Big Sur that there's a movement towards that, especially like the, the Messages app. So I, I think you've probably seen how the, the app icons um, have gone from, they, they were quite skeuomorphic in a way, but then they put like a, you know, that rounded edge corner to it, um, to every icon now. So there, there's a bit more shadow. And I think uh, the danger of putting shadows is is really like, you know, someone has to decide what direction the light source is. Like, is it always going to be that top left corner and it, the shadow going down That's to right. the bottom right? Um, what about the the problem of, you know, the height of that? Like, you're going to see these crazy different styles. Uh, yeah, so I think this is going to be hard to manage and I just feel like we're going backwards. But, you know, I also, here we are. I also, yeah. I also wonder, like, adding shadows gives it a, you know, a third dimension really and because you stare at your phone so much is it giving your mind a lot more to process from a cognitive perspective like flat is simple flat is easy my brain doesn't have to do so much thinking around is there actual depth here is there actual you know light here um so it'd be interesting mm-hmm. to see whether you know how that messes with our mind a little bit and whether it just takes up too much cognitive space in our heads um going slightly off tangent here but you know it's it, some people might find it annoying. Well, I'm, I'm going to find it annoying, and I think this is the this was a criticism when we went to flat UI, right? There was a period of time where like people preferred the the shadows and things looking like they were like pressable, um, and we, we're sort of going back towards that. And again, I feel like Apple's starting this trend. Uh, I know if with flat UI, perhaps Windows or Microsoft started that trend, but. Um, yeah, we're going to be seeing this all over the place. So in the next couple of years, like gonna like the buttons buttons on controls won't be just like a circle or a square or an oblong. It'll be there'll be some definition of height, and I I, I just feel like this this is a dangerous uh, path because some some buttons going to be taller. Maybe maybe it'll be the war of making things taller so that you can press it. <laughs> Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe there is a, there is a psychological reason behind this new morphism. Does it make you want to press the button? 
because it's kind of like bubble wrap, right? Mm. You kind of see it there. You kind of want to go for it all the time. Like, does this do the so same thing? Suggesting a bit of a dark pattern thing here, Kelvin? I Oops. might be, but we'll never yeah. know until we actually see what, you know, the end product looks like. Yeah. So, like, if you if you sort of Google this on the internet, you're going to see a bunch of criticisms on it. Designers aren't... I, I think you're going to probably see mixed reactions, but I think, you know, most of Reddit and Twitter is sort of against this right now. Uh, but yeah, it's just a matter of time before we, we see it on our phones. We see it, we see it on Android. That's going to happen too. Uh, mm. So watch this space. Um, speaking of perhaps things going backwards, Facebook. Um, in particular, Facebook Reality Labs, which is a like a research lab um, under the Oculus umbrella, I guess. Um, they've released... Oh, there was a uh, computer graphics conference called Seagraph. So conferences are still happening online, like we talked about. And they talked about, maybe I'll just play the clip. Uh, this is from Upload VR. A new prototype for a slimline headset has just been revealed. As you can see, it's a little bit more like sunglasses than your usual headset. This sleeker, more compact look is down to a new optical design Facebook calls a holographic near eye display. The prototype instead employs holographic optics. With this design, researchers believe they can support the same kind of field of view that you see in today's VR headsets, instead using a thin film only 9mm deep. Yep, they're calling it holographic VR. And if you can see the Twitch stream, they literally look like sunnies. So they do. remember this is VR, not AR. And uh, so Upload VR is talking about um, how lightweight it is. Uh, apparently, the display module is going to be only 18 grams. And compare that to the Quest, which is over half a kilo. Um, but of course, it doesn't take into account of the, the lack of the tracking system because no one, no one really knows how you're, how you're going to be tracked. There's no onboard processing just yet. It's just a display and there's no battery. So this is a like... You know, completely no. conceptual for now, but still very lightweight, and maybe it's the future. Yeah, I mean, you, you need the batteries. There's still going to be wires somewhere. If they want to keep it lightweight, that's fine. But mm -hmm. making it completely wireless without a battery pack is not going to happen, obviously. So pros and cons, right? Sure. And, you know, graphic-wise, it, it's apparently just the green screen version of VR or holographic VR. So I don't know. I guess you can kind of like... Uh, liken it to the holograms in Star Wars for now, because that's pretty, you know, lo-fi display if you think about it. In the uh, distant future of Star Wars, they, they could only do blue holograms. Um, yeah, but I, I think, you know, this obvious, obviously this is years away from being on the ha in the hands of consumers. Um, I feel like it's, yeah, like if they can provide that display in that lightweight format, you know, take-up is obviously going to increase. Um, did you also know that Oculus Go was discontinued last month? But yeah, I read about that, and then that makes sense. Um, mm. They're going to have to focus on the Quest, and uh, they've only got you know limited resources, and the Quest is the way to go. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think this year uh, with uh, with my Oculus Rift, I'll probably use it a couple of times uh, for Alex, um, which I sort of haven't gone back into for a while, despite it being the greatest ever VR game. Um, I mean, like, and you probably haven't been on ever. <laughs> no, right. I just don't have the space for it right now. Um, and I think that's where, you know, 
the, the systems like you know the quest and you know all that will come in i believe samsung is also ending its vr program because you know what can samsung really offer at the moment um in the current battle of the vr yeah. uh big juggernauts like oculus and yeah. htc vibes of the world i think you know it's a good move yeah i think the big players are actually focusing on ar more than vr i think mm-hmm. uh with with this um oculus version or facebook version i feel like there's somewhere along the way that the two are going to merge ar there's going to be like an ar mode and a vr mode but you know that's still at least five years away all right so let's go a little bit dark mm-hmm. kelvin Not the um, we're going to be spending maybe 10 10 or 15 minutes on facial recognition technology and how it's being used. Um, so I've, I've actually been um, saving this story for the last couple of episodes. We just didn't get to them uh, in a way. But like, uh, you know, obviously a few things have happened in 2020. Um, one of which is, uh, is BLM movement. And, uh, you know, people are being targeted by, you know, surveillance methods um, by the police. Um, one, one of those is facial recognition. And uh, I guess this has risen up uh, some of the criticisms of how this can be used and manipulated in the wrong hands, I suppose. Although you can't really say the police are the wrong hands. Um, Depends who you talk to, I guess, right now. But um, so two weeks ago, I believe, um, a bunch of companies came out and they said they're not going to work on these technologies anymore. I've just got a clip from... TechLinked. Microsoft has said it will stop providing its facial recognition technology to the American police forces until federal regulation can be enacted concerning its use. With the announcement, Microsoft joins Amazon, which said it will also stop selling its facial recognition tech to police for one year, and IBM, which said it's pausing all development on facial recognition wholesale. The company's decisions are reportedly based on studies ongoing since 2018, which show that facial recognition systems performed worse when analyzing women and people with darker skin. And obviously, that's (laughs) really bad. Yeah, so the number one criticism of this is that there's this natural bias just from the mere fact that people that are working on this technology probably not as diverse as you would like. As, as the real world. Uh, so, yeah, like, uh, I think just this week, um, it emerged that Detroit police um, arrested someone last year based on a wrongfully identified, uh, I guess, uh, issue. Um, and we won't go into that so much, but, like, that's just to highlight, yeah, but like, it's, yes, there the, the probably are use, use cases here, but, you know, facial ID like every technology is not perfect so you're gonna get these errors um, yeah what do you know about that yeah I it's it's a tough one because we're, we're all so different and it's gonna take time for technology to catch up and the technology is one aspect but its usage of it is another um, it's a, it's a good old you know if we could should we still use it um, and you know it it's you know, police is, the police forces all over the world currently are under a lot of scrutiny, obviously, and we're all gonna not trust it as much. Not because technology is poor, I think it's always down to the usage and what people use it for, and because it's such a tense, you know, global 
sort of movement that is Black Lives Matters right now, I would definitely stay away from these things uh, just to avoid any chance of, you know, arresting the wrong person or identifying the wrong person. There's just too much risk at the moment. And you got to wonder if, if, if it's going to work with, you know, everyone wearing masks well, soon to be in Australia, wearing wearing masks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came across this amazing uh, report by CNBC of all channels, and um, I think you know it's it's about a twenty minute uh, clip, and I've put it in the show notes for everyone to see because I think it's worthwhile. They, I mean, they well, the media can get hung up on you know the the big words, right? It's like oh my god, AI, facial recognition, police state dangerous like all all those emotional elements that come out of the media but here is you know cnbc and uh and i'm gonna credit the reporter here her name is katie brigham katie brigham um she really broke it down told both sides of the story interviewed the the people or the the companies that are actually in this market which is facial id um for police uh, surveillance. Now, um, here is uh, one of the CEOs of one of the companies, and he's, he's going to kind of lay it down to some of these big, big uh, companies that have made some statements in the past. So first off, IBM did not have a real product in this space. Microsoft and Amazon, neither of them were big players in the law enforcement space. They did not have a large line of business there. So one could call it a bit of virtue signaling. After announcing a year-long moratorium on police use of its facial recognition software, called Recognition, Amazon says it doesn't know how many police departments actually use it. Yeah, so one of the big things is that, yes, this technology does exist and, you know, obviously big companies are working on it, but in reality, they're not the biggest players in the market. And if anything, there's there's no real governance. Like, there's there's no list. You can't ask someone, hey, out of the... So many hundreds of police departments in, in the US, how many of them are using what technology? Like that doesn't exist apparently, which seems a bit sad. Um, so Rank One is, is one of the, the companies, but another one is Clearview AI, who have been on the news uh, quite a bit this year. So I, I don't think I talked about um, the CEO of this company, who's an Australian uh, former male model. Right, and that's going to start a big write up. <laughs> well, this, this is how he was portrayed in this uh, New York Times article uh, back in January. Um, and it sort of really irked me at the time because it was a very, like, you know, typical on-the-surface interview, AI is bad, down, down with technology type of um, sentiments without really looking at what, what's actually going on. Uh, so here is, um, uh, actually, I don't know if he's in this clip. His, uh, his name is, oh, it's a Vietnamese name, Juan Ton Dat. You can see mm-hmm. him on the screen there. Um, you can kind of tell he was a former male model, I guess. Really? Um, <laughs> can you? Mm, I don't know. What do it's we know about hair. male models? Yeah, there yeah. you go. So let me just play a, uh, play a clip from that story. Founded in 2017, Clearview has amassed a database of over 3 billion images, scraped from millions of websites and social media platforms from Venmo to Facebook. Its catalog is far more comprehensive than anything that came before it, and the company says it's used by over 2,400 law enforcement agencies in the U.S. at the local, state, and federal levels. Yep, so by far the biggest player in this market. 2,400 reportedly, I guess they they have relationships with those law enforcement 
departments and um, yeah, they, they're, they're very clear that they're using it. Um, yeah, so it, it's just a big database of images. They said 3 billion. I guess that's growing over time. Um, and very quickly they can identify based on some input. You could scan through the database to come up with similar faces, essentially. Um, and on the in the report, um, they did a demo. So just to illustrate how this technology works, um, it's it's pretty pretty simple if you break it down. So here's here's a bit of an insight into that. The Clearview system itself does not reveal my name, but the links point to websites that do. While Google, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook have all sent cease and desist letters to Clearview, the company says that because these images are public, it has a right to compile them. At the end of the day, it's a search engine just like Google. So we think it's a little bit hypocritical of them to then send a cease and desist. But fundamentally, it is publicly available information. Okay, so a couple of things there. So all it is is a Google image search that's very focused with faces. And uh, mm. Google themselves are actually trying to stop them. So all, all of these images, all these faces are being scraped from, you know, billions of websites, including, you know, Twitter and social media. And these have been marked as public. So it can get into it. So there's nothing more than that. So this yeah. is crazy, right? Why, why are we trying to stop this? Exactly. I mean, do people... I don't know. I guess do people really understand what happens when they share a photo on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn mm -hmm. or Twitter or and, Pinterest? And, and yeah, and I, I think, I mean, we're all guilty of it. I mean, I don't have kids, but, you know, my example is I, I share I share photos of my cat. So it's not the same thing, but like, I, I, I don't know if I would share photos even on Instagram uh, of my kids. Mm. No, knowing what I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm not sure if making your account private is going to change anything, just like mine is at the moment. I guess, mm -hmm. you know, you kind of feel a little more secure, but could I tell you what the terms and conditions are of my Instagram account? I probably couldn't. Uh, could people mm. still index my photos on a private Instagram account? I have no idea. Well, according to what this guy is saying, it should be private to this uh, service mm. because it is, you know, you've said it as private, but um, yeah, like obviously there, there are, what, what if um, Instagram was hacked one day and there was a public, public place that where everything was just dumped into. Um, so yeah, um, I, I think people are sort of getting away from like technology is not that difficult or, you know, at least difficult to understand if you just break it down and try to understand what it is. So it's it's more about education than just you know stop stop stopping everything. Because um, yeah, we're not we're not going to be able to progress without this sort of stuff. I mean, AI is going to happen um, unless you're the Unabomber. <laughs> uh, you you can't really stop these things from coming to light, right? So yeah, it's, it it is a question of ethics, like like you said, uh, because we can, should we? In this case, yeah, and I think it comes, we yeah, and it comes down to the good old theory of things really, you know, things really get sped up when there's a disaster. So you know, things like COVID forced us to look at working from home a bit more seriously. What is that point 
of, you know, I'm not going to call it singularity, but what is that milestone uh, in our future that will sort of show people that, you know, there is a place for AI, even though there is risk. And I, I just can't wait to see what that's going to be like. Could we have found Obama, like you know, Osama bin Laden faster if we had facial recognition on satellite scanning everyone's face? Who knows? Mm. Uh, but there's going to be that one thing that's going to push people over. Yeah, like, like we always say um, on this podcast, that one technology is the bridge to the next technology, right? So, you know, it, it's hard to predict how that's going to go. Um, like again, to bring up the Unabomber, like he he thought that was the case and it was inevitable that one day things will lead to uh, complete chaos um, I'm I'm not on that I'm not on that train plane whatever it is whatever the uh, euphemism <laughs> is there but um yeah I think uh, we, we can as, as long as we're aware of the potentials and the boundaries and using or just having a conversation about whether we should or not, rather than just stopping it full stop because of a lack of understanding. Um, let, let's, just, let's just talk about it. Um, I think, to me, this is nothing more than a Google search, this technology. Mm. Um, and just, just because um, it means that it's, it's public and then the police can use it, don't have these things public. That, that is, that's, that's the thing that we should be going for. Um, anyway, um, bit, bit, of, bit of a rant. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm a little bit passionate about this because um, I, I think the reporting is bad and and the me- media just makes it out to be uh, some, something that it's not, really. Yeah, and I also want to dig into it a bit deeper here. I'm reading the New York Times article that you sent. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I, I, don't th- I think this technology is a easy sort of target to hit because the guy is an ex-male model, um, when he first started, the free, he had he had the most ridiculous apps. Like in 2015, he had an app called Trump Hair, where he would add Trump's hair to a person in the photo. Uh, and he's obviously quite a sensationalist, you know what I mean? He's going to want to capture attention somehow. Um, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't wake up to the fact that mm-hmm. this is going to get better, faster, and a lot more efficient, a lot quicker than we yep. think, you know, than we know. So, yeah, I don't think this particular angle and this particular story of this particular company is a big story, but just to be aware that it's going to happen. And I think you're going to hear a lot, of, lot more about this guy. Uh, so three days ago, um, the UK and Australia have agreed to open a joint data privacy investigation into the company, um, the company that has a database of 3 billion photos, apparently. Um, and yeah, I guess uh, this, this is going to be an ongoing thing. Um, he, he seems like a bit, bit of an Elon Musk type of character, charismatic. Um, he sort of seems smart, doesn't he? I mean, to, to get this far, I think he, he has to be. And yeah, like um, people were looking for a face against this kind of technology. I, I think he is it. He's probably the Zuckerberg of this world. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm just thinking about how I share photos at the moment and it's mostly through WhatsApp, which, you know, they tell us it's encrypted end to end. Um, and I hope it is. And, you know, it's it's my main social network, you know, and, and in it there are ten people. 
So it, I think behavior it's kind will of like change. Google, Google plus circles, would you say? <laughs> it is, except encrypted, I hope. Oh. Um, and I think, I think behaviors will change. I think people will get more savvy and people will share less and less. Um, you know, I'm even thinking about how to get out of Google Photos on my phone. Like, what can I use to back it up? Uh, quickly, just like Google Photos, without giving away too much to any technology giant. Um, and I don't know if I can. I don't think there's anything out there right now unless I figure something else out, like, you know, putting it onto actually a physical hard drive or something. But that's something we could talk more in the show. Yeah, I think that that's probably a topic that we will cover going going forward. I think just on that point, Kelvin, like, you, I mean, I can't remember the name of that company, but like there was a startup that did something similar where they went out of business and I had to re-upload everything. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that's the danger in that. So I, I'm i in that boat. I'm in that uh, sort of trouble state where I'm kind of all in on Google. Um, for some reason, Google escapes this type of uh, scrutiny from, from the public because I guess Google is kind of very useful, right? Um, I mean, like, technically I do pay for the... Um, the backup of the photos but like for most people this is a free service and everything that you and i don't know if you think about it people complain about losing photos and stuff and i go well we'll just use google photos for like Mm. in 2020 that just seems like a little bit of a well is there an alternative there we're partly responsible for that and um and it's a tough one because I'm looking at my Samsung S10 Plus um, and I've got the version with half a terabyte in it and almost 90 gigabytes is photos. So where am I going to upload 90 gigabytes do we, and continuously do that? that? The Samsung, the um, the Galaxy. Okay. So I've got, I've got half a terabyte. I've got 512 gigabytes of memory in this phone. Mm. Um well, and Apple it's gonna keep has a uh, two terabyte backup on yeah. iCloud for four forty nine a month. <laughs> yeah, and you know, would you, would you trust Apple over Google and mm. Google over blah and blah blah blah? Well, any and... any company, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So and... we, we'll keep on exploring this uh, going forward. Uh, we don't we don't have the answers right now. Maybe, maybe it's uh, like a pattern that we can sort of investigate over time. Yeah. No, definitely. And, um, you know, that's what we're here for. Going through all the things that are changing technology. So we hope you enjoyed episode 151 of the Naked Tech Podcast. As always, check us out on the website. That's nakedtechpodcast.com where you'll find all 150 episodes. And don't forget to hit us up on any of the social networks. Let us know what you think. And don't forget to give us a rating where you can. That's Kelp Out. And Jeff Out. Go Leeds. <laughs> They'll be fine. No, don't say that. Didn't didn't they score like four nil or something? <sighs> five, five five goals. Five but, uh, nil. Yeah. You know? Do you know about the the club Brentford? Yes. What happened? Well, I they, know they've the won club. seven in a row, and uh, I think they're Wait, four I'm points behind Leeds now. So um, yeah, but at the worst place, you get a playoff. Ah, well, that, that's happened numerous times over the last 20 years, Kelvin. It just doesn't work out for us. <laughs> this doesn't work out for us. Um, did you know uh, Wayne Rooney still plays? 
for Derby. 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 Yeah. Derby. Yeah, he's the coach as well, isn't he? Uh, no, they got they got some Brazilian 